0: Podcast. I'm Arthur. I'm Nate. I'm Margaret. We are recording at 1 25 p.m. on January twentieth, uh, twenty nineteen, in New York City, New York.
1: Arthur, I got to cut in. You said bird's nest instead of bird's, bird's nest. eye. <laughs>
0: bird's nest. Oh my god. Bird's eye. We'll leave that one in. Okay. Bird's eye. Guys, Perfect. I have not had enough sleep. <laughs> it's okay. Birds it's eyes because you were toiling this. away at preparing toiling for this podcast. Away exactly, <laughs> in the astrology minds. Yeah. Yes. So why don't we tell folks a little about ourselves? Margaret, do you want to go first?
1: Sure. Um, all right. I have a fairly diverse background as far as astrology goes. I remember the specific time that I started studying astrology. I was about seven or eight years old. Like, if you remember those scholastic book orders you used to get in school.
0: Oh, I love those.
1: those. Yeah. Um, they had the little like kits in the back and I got like the personality kit or whatever. And it was like palm reading and numerology and astrology was in there. And I didn't put that book down ever. Like I always had it with me and I loved it so much. So then anytime I could get a hold of an astrology book, I've been buying them up. So I've been reading, um, studying astrology for about 20 years. Um, I started practicing and uh having clients about eight years ago ish so i've been doing it for quite a while um i do a lot of relationships synastry uh readings and i've been studying draconic charts in my extra special time
2: yeah
0: Um, we'll have to get you to talk more about draconics oh yeah kind of charts more in a future episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely i want to hear yeah well Well, I'm Arthur. I have been studying astrology also since I was like uh, eight or nine. Both of my parents were big in the pagan occult communities. So I learned a lot about various topics from them and various occult stuff. I didn't really learn astrology from them, but there were astrology books in the home growing up. I was obsessed with Linda Goodman when I was like eight, nine, ten years old. And I studied it until I was about 15 and then I don't remember why I just stopped a lot of stuff going on in my life at 15 years old picked it up again I want to say about four the five six years ago around 2012 2013 and just been diving into it grabbing up everything I can ever since I've also been reading tarot professionally in, well I started out doing readings for clients when I was like 12 just used a designed a deck of cards on my own not a full tarot deck but based on astrology symbols uh worked with that until I was 17 and then switched to tarot and have uh, done pretty well for myself as a tarot reader um I had a I was featured in BuzzFeed a couple of years ago I was on I want to say 2017, I was on uh, Kotaku's live stream doing tarot readings. Cool. And uh, been moving to, been uh, wanting to do more astrology professionally and personally for the past couple, for the past year or two. Not that I wasn't doing it already, but just sort of shifting the focus.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Nate? Cool. You're up. Uh, I'm Nate and I have a pretty eclectic background. Um, The first astrology book I was ever given was, I was a little kid and my best friend's mom got me the book, The Secret Language of Birthdays. And I was, and and I didn't really, I didn't really understand what was behind what I was reading, but I was, but it got me hooked on astrology and I kept it pretty private for many years. And I, uh, I have a strong background as an artist in theater and performance art, um, and I work as a professional storyteller. And so my way into actually conceiving of what it would be like to go public with astrology was when I started apprenticing with a company that combined the study of archetypal psychology rooted in James Hillman and post-Jungian archetypal psychologists with performance art. And after that, a series of events, sort of kind of this domino effect. I met a master Jungian astrologer in New York called Montgomery Taylor, and I um, immersed myself pretty intensively in a one-on-one apprenticeship with him and started teaching myself or, you know, studying ancient techniques and now studying more in the traditional, the, the revival of different strands of traditional astrology, Hellenistic astrology. Neoplatonism and uh, and started having Started having professionally clients about three years ago now. So the public aspect of it is still pretty Much in its infancy for me, but it's very exciting and I'm also very influenced by um, Psycho magic with Hodorovsky. So that's kind of another Reference point that I take that I bring in and use with clients a lot that can be pretty fun and playful and get astrology out of the head
0: yeah, I, I can't I can't count the number of parties I've been at in Brooklyn where somebody is playing Alejandro Hodorowski yeah. on, on a projector somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Both Nate and I live in New York City. Margaret, you're in Milwaukee?
1: Yep, I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
0: <laughs> Bit of a difference there. Bit of a difference. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah you can kind of hear it in my voice. I'm sure you will in the future.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, so just for this first episode Nate and I are recording in person but in spite of living in the same city we're like an hour away from each other. So True. future episodes they'll be you won't see the I'm not sure we're going to try and have video for this. If we do you'll see Nate and I next to each other. <laughs> yeah. <on it. laughs> um so I think the, pl- the the plan for today is to talk about since this is going to be Theoretically released at the end of January to be talking about the month ahead, Friday for February.
1: Hmm. Ah, sounds good.
0: Yeah, it's at first it doesn't seem like there's a lot going on because there's no major retrogrades, there's no eclipses, but we were going through it uh, in the prep, and there's a, I mean, there is some interesting stuff going on. Hmm. You want to go through it on, in order, or anything in particular we want to start with? I feel
1: like the order is uh, a pretty solid story, rock begin. opera type thing. Yeah. Like if we, yeah,
0: yeah. begin we just start hitting
1: each other, I it like would
3: that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it would be in the rock opera vein. February,
1: the rock opera, you know.
0: <laughs> okay, that's that's going to be the title of the episode. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes. the rock opera of February.
3: Nailed
1: yeah.
2: it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> February. All right, we do start off with a bang too. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. February first, we've got Mars square Pluto, Mm -hmm. which is that is a that's an exciting aspect.
1: Now, do we want to maybe go a little bit over what a transit aspect is as opposed to a natal one?
0: Yes, our
1: listeners who might not know the difference.
0: It's a great point, Margaret. Thank you. So when you've got an aspect going on by transit, it is what the planets are doing with each other in the sky at a given moment. Like, for example, uh, uh, so yeah, later on in the month, we'll talk about it. There'll be uh, Venus conjoined Saturn. um, And if you look up in the sky at that night, you will see Venus right next to Saturn. Mm -hmm. Whereas with a birth chart, what you're looking at is, what those planets were doing, what that sky looked like at the moment you were born. And transit tend to be transitory. As long as the aspect is going on in the sky, there's that effect, it's in the air, it's influencing what's going on in people's lives. Whereas an aspect in a birth chart, you've got that for life. You know? Right.
1: And then the aspect in the sky will affect aspects in your own chart as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. I like to yeah. call it the space weather. Yeah.
3: Ooh, Yeah. yeah. So basically we're doing a weather forecast, a space weather forecast.
0: Space weather forecast, right? exactly. Space
1: weather, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it.
0: <laughs> anyway, so when you've got stuff going on in your natal chart that's similar to what's going on in the transit, you're going to feel it a lot more. So mm-hmm. on the first, we've got Mars squared Pluto by transit. So if in your natal chart you have Mars in Pluto in an aspect with each other, particularly if it's a hard aspect, square, conjunction, opposition, then you're going to feel it a lot more, right? Uh, one thing I also recommend paying attention to is what are the ruling planets of your sun, moon, and rising sign. I use traditional rulers. I don't know where you're at with that, Nate, but I'm very much of. I use both. Okay, I, mean, yeah, I just kind of switch. I
1: use both as well. Okay, um, why don't we give a little summary of what that is? Like, what's, what's so that
0: basically? Each sign has a planet that rules it. Aries is ruled by Mars. Taurus by Venus, Gemini, Mercury, Cancer, Moon, Leo, Sun, Virgo, Mercury, Libra, Venus, Scorpio, Mars, Sagittarius, Jupiter, Capricorn, and Aquarius by Saturn, and Pisces, Jupiter.
1: In a traditional In a traditional, In a traditional. In a
0: traditional sense. Now yeah. astrology is older than the telescope. So Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto weren't discovered until a few hundred years ago, whereas astrology is thousands of years old. So, when they were discovered, they were added into the rulership scheme with Uranus ruling Aquarius, Pluto ruling Scorpio, and Neptune ruling Pisces. Right. Um, I have a bit of a philosophical issue with that, which is that the outer, the Uranus, Neptune, and Pisces are invisible. You can't, you look up at the sky, you can't see them which makes it, from my perspective, it's very difficult to rule a a sign if you can't see what's going on with it. Uh But on the other hand, I have noticed there is a resonance. There's definitely a lot in common, between, especially between Neptune and Pisces. So the Uh affinity is there. Right. Yeah, but the philosophical discussion of the difference between rulership and affinity in modern and traditional is...
1: That could be a whole, episode. <laughs>
0: exactly. a whole I, episode. I would
3: encourage us to break down those different philosophical issues. The, the ones that are most um, exciting and timely for us and, you know, have future episodes about those topics.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure the listeners knew what traditional versus modern is because sometimes yeah. it's a little funky yeah. to, to understand a little that.
3: jargony. Yeah. Just Dar- any. <laughs> as a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's great stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So um, yeah. Mars is the ruler of Aries. It's the traditional ruler of Scorpio, and Pluto rules Scorpio as well. So Mars square Pluto, you're going to feel a lot more if your Sun, Moon, or Rising sign is Aries or Scorpio. So Nate, do you, or Margaret, do one of you want to talk a little bit about Mars square Pluto as a transit?
1: Well. I personally natally don't don't deal with it as much so it's a little more difficult for me to relate to it as a transit but I immediately think angst (laughs) like like energetic like if you go outside and you're driving to work and you're running late you might be a little angrier than normal (laughs) you know you might be a little more stressed out
3: but Yeah, yeah I have it natally I have natally Mars square Pluto Okay. Uh, so, um, yeah. <laughs> well, we yeah, so, um, yeah, it's fine. I mean, um, I think that it can be, mm, it's, can be dramatic, but in a more interiorized brooding sort of way, depending on, depending on what else you have going on, it's a kind mm-hmm. of darkened growling drive that's, that's trying to, that's trying to come out, but that's, Often on the Pluto, often on the Pluto side being reined in. It's like Mars has this drive and a lot of energy. Right. You know, it could be sexual. It could be you know all these different sorts of vigorous things. But yeah, it's often reined in by Pluto. That's trying to kind of keep everything behind the curtain and veil. And the
1: square. I mean, the square yeah. is a. I hate. hard to say hard or difficult. Uh, yeah. China. But. I always relate the square to two people trying to fit through a door frame at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I love that image. <laughs> it's great. The energy,
1: it's, a, it's applying, but it's like taking your fingers and trying to push them together. Like you're feeling it all throughout even your arms and all the way up to your shoulders. Like it's, it's an interaction. There are similarities between the two things that are interacting at the time, but they might not be going in the same direction. Maybe this hand's trying to go this way, and this hand's trying to go this way, and they're just in each other's way. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're so they're applying to each other in a way that might be stressful. You know, your arms are sore if you try to do that for a really long time.
0: Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Mars. Well, Mars is passion and will and drive. Um, It's it's very like kind of (laughs) right. (laughs) Um, It's aggressive. It's passionate. It's focused. It's fierce. Mm -hmm. And Mars, which is why it's associated with both rage and sex. Right. And why it's easy to switch from one to the other, especially when Pluto is involved. Oh yeah. Pluto makes everything a little dark, a little underworld, a little, it can be very obsessive. Yeah. Um, and it can be very secretive. When you've got Mars, and I often find like people with a natal Mars Pluto aspect, even if it's a flowing easy aspect, like a trine, very often uh, there's a BDSM component to the sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, uh. You, you, mm-hmm. I'm not accusing right. you of anything unless you <laughs> want to care. Um, Arthur, it's the first episode. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what, yeah.
1: I mean, I'm going to chime in. I have the trine. So yeah.
0: oh, right. yeah. I think
1: we all have the kind of the Mars-Pluto going we all on have
0: the Mars-Pluto yeah. last in a way. Sorry. Right. Uh, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> no, because there is that an element of the sexuality that wants to go really, really intense when you've got Mars and Pluto. Yeah. It turns up the volume on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, So it's not enough to fuck. It needs to, you know, pound.
1: Right.
3: Devour.
0: Or have Devour, some, some kind yeah. of dark fantasy component to right. it. Right. Yeah, yeah. It can be, yeah. A noir element. The, pardon?
1: A noir element. Yeah.
0: Noir. Yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily the pain mixed with the pleasure. It's There can be the dark, there can be like the noir, there can be the like, what did you say? The dark fantasy? Dark
3: fantasy. Yeah. 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 It can be yeah. Some, something. It, it, yeah. It can, I think it can be either physically complex or it can be psychologically complex. Or both. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it can definitely be obsessive. Right. So, yeah. Um, anything. So, yeah. Around the first, that sort of intense, uh, you know, mm, yeah. with the obsessive, obsessiveness and the anger and the lust, uh, that's going to come up for people.
3: Also I wanted, I just want to say cuz we're talking about squares we're talking about Mars square Pluto Margaret you started talking about the stressful aspect of a of a square I think and yeah. some squares can be that some squares can be like a wall and a ceiling where there's actually support it needs that it needs oh, a yeah. sharp angle in order to manifest or in order to act to be the actual support that is needed for something so it kind of I read in a book
1: You know the old saying where people who have sun square moon are like the most motivated successful people because they're constantly just like driving up the ladder because they're being supported all the time.
0: Without friction there is no movement. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
1: So a chart that has all easy aspects whether transit or natal doesn't mean that your life's going to be you know all sunshine and roses all the time. It's just you know, growth yeah. is a necessary thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, but also, like, I find that if you've got a natal chart that's all that's almost entirely easy aspects, it's very difficult for that person to just get moving and do stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: Like, you don't want things to be too easy. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what's up next on our list? Venus, Venus enters, enters Cap- Capricorn. Yeah. yeah, Venus enters Capricorn on the 3rd. So, for,
1: for our listeners who might not know, what's the difference between, like, Mars and Pluto being square and Venus entering a new sign?
0: So, the aspect is sort of how, it's, how the planet is playing with who else is, is on the field. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So, if the planets are the actors in a play, then the aspects are what those actors, are, how those actors are interacting with each other. Right. What's the drama going on between them? You know, Space theater. They, yeah, space theater. <laughs> space theater weather. And choreography, yeah. And yeah, choreography,
2: exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Space dance.
0: <laughs> yeah, are these two characters flirting? Are they fighting? Are they, you know, tied at the hip? Right. Um, whereas the sign that a planet's in is sort of like, what's, what's, what's my motivation? What's mm-hmm. that, what is that, why is that character doing what it's doing and what are the tools it has in order to do that?
1: I love the theater astrology analogy. It's like my favorite thing. So glad we went right into it immediately.
3: (laughs) uh, Planets Planets in Play. I have have
1: it sitting right behind me on my bookshelf. (laughs) I love that book.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's almost like the transit, this is not a perfect metaphor, but another way to look at it is sort of like the transit is what is that planet doing and what is that planet doing and who's it doing it to? Whereas the sign it's in is how is it doing that Mm
3: -hmm. yeah and like imagine that imagine um also thinking of the sign as the as an environment can be helpful too i think like uh imagine that you're venus and you're you know you're doing your aesthetic beautiful thing yeah
0: venus aesthetic beauty love relating
3: yeah and then you you spend a week in i don't know you spend a week in siberia and then you spend, and then the next week you go to Hawaii. It's like, mm-hmm. that's, that's sort of what entering a new sign could be like. Yeah. Or like you wear,
1: the weather changes and you change your coat. Like suddenly you need, you know, your goose down winter yeah. jacket. And then, you know, you might go somewhere else and you might need to wear different clothes and express yourself differently depending on where
0: you're yeah. at. Exactly.
1: So, yeah.
0: So in Capricorn, I mean, Capricorn is a, act. it just had a, tweet get way too popular making a dumb joke about capricorn uh <laughs> i tw- i will i i'm on twitter all the time and like i will tweet super interesting like educational content sometimes and get like two likes and then i i, I shit post and it blows <laughs> up <laughs> um but so capricorn is about ambition like one of the bi- like the the biggest keyword I would use, and there's a few, but one of the biggest ideas for Capricorn is ambition. Capricorn wants to go from point A to point B up the mountain. And it almost doesn't matter to Capricorn what that mountain is. Mm-hmm. Stereotypical Capricorn is like the, the business owner, the CEO. But sometimes a planet in Capricorn just wants to be the best damn partier in the world. Right. Um, you know i i there was i met i used to know someone who had a bunch of planets in capricorn and lived her life appearing to do everything she could to embody the manic pixie dream girl
3: mm-hmm. uh, yeah um i have a friend who's obsessed with how who's so many planets in Capricorn is obsessed with how how present they are in any situation. Like, right, gotta be the most present. Present? <laughs> am I present
0: enough? Oh no, I'm not present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's about fully achieving that archetype. Yeah. Right.
1: You know, I know so. someone with a multitude of planets in Cap in the fourth, and they're obsessed with being like the best mother mm, ever. Yeah. Like you gotta be. <laughs> you know.
0: So I mean, yeah, it's not it. It's not always obsessive. Um, but there, it is driven.
1: It's driven, right? Um, That's a better word for it.
0: Yeah. So, so Venus in Capricorn wants to, you know, wants to relate, but wants to know what the agenda is. You know, why it's why are we having this connection? What purpose does it serve? Does this piece of art I'm hanging in my home reflect the kind of person I want to be seen as by guests? Does this relationship, you know, where it's it's sort of like a where are we going in this relationship? You know, mm-hmm. like what is, what per, and it, it's also, you'll find a lot of models with Venus and Capricorn, you know, because mm. it's about using the beauty for business, using the beauty to achieve a goal. Right. And uh, I mean, I noticed that anecdotally, I haven't done the math on it or anything. Yeah. But I mean, I, you could
1: also see that as appearing a certain way in order to, I mean, more loosely, like, bodying a certain archetype in order to further your career slash benefits that others may bring to you or your slot in life your station
0: I feel like when we talk about career and astrology yeah. um, we're not actually talking about career and how most people think of it right like whenever a career comes up it's more yeah. like
1: station in life
0: your goal orientation yeah. Yeah, your life mission or your your, mission, you know, your sense right. of mission, your life. Yeah, I want to. I want to face. It. Well, it's not necessarily lifelong. No, you know. it's
3: not. It can be, and it can be plural. It can be multiple. It can change.
0: Like yeah. I had a client recently who had Uranus conjunct the midheaven, and I told her, "Look, you're just always going to be changing careers every couple of years. Get used to it. <laughs> um, right.
1: Embrace it.
2: Yeah,
0: embrace yeah. it. You know. So with Venus and Capricorn, it's like the the beauty, the aesthetic, the relation is serving a long term goal. And it's Venus tends to be very prominent in the charts of artists, because that's all about that beauty and aesthetic. So if you are involved in the arts at all, um, or just do art for fun, Venus and Capricorn is a good time to get serious about about your projects, you know. Yeah.
3: Also, if we bring, we can bring Venus down to a human level, I think, in terms of thinking about our relationships and not just our romantic relationships, but how we relate to people in our lives, how we relate to close people. And there's a sort of, there, there's, there's been a sort of story going on with Venus, at least in my mind, over the last few months where we've, we had Venus retrograde, I'm going to go slow at this because we've you know, it's a lot of information, but we, we had Venus retrograde in the fall, so when a planet mm-hmm. goes retrograde, it, its power is, is sort of interiorized and working a lot on the on the internal psychic levels. Right. Um, and so we had Venus retrograde between Scorpio and Libra, and so we were working on all this kind of deep, dark, and also kind of symmetrical person-to-person relationship-oriented stuff. Even if we mm-hmm. weren't necessarily in romantic relationships at that time, but right. relationships. Overall and and I think it was I mean, it was really I think around like if you think back to October November that those months It was very painful for a lot of people like I know a lot of I heard a lot about relationships breaking up during that time even Relationships that seemed to have a strong foundation to them um, mm-hmm. because They were going through this kind of like dark alchemy of the Venus retrograde,
0: right?
2: Yeah,
3: you also but,
0: know a lot of very Venusian people because you're involved. With, you're connected to all these artists.
3: Yes, right. That's true too. But um, but even yeah, even that, even the non-artist folk. Um, that's a good point though. But <laughs> that a, that after that, you know, now we have having Venus in Sagittarius. We kind of, uh, hopefully, we get this sort of um, this this kind of blooming of optimism to go forward and do the work that's necessary so like through through the retrograde in scorpio it's like oh i'm discovering all this all this crap that's coming up to this yeah scorpio. it's
1: bubbling up to the surface you know bubbling
3: up yeah all this i don't even
1: know it was there
3: yeah yeah all this work that needs to be done and sagittarius now it's like but you can do it i can see the space you can I can do see, it. <laughs> yeah i can see that we can work with this and now right. it's like venus going into capricorn all right do the work, like no, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah.
0: So Venus has been in Capricorn for most of January. Sorry, Venus has been in Sagittarius for most of January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, and one of and so the shift from Sagittarius to Capricorn is an interesting one, especially because Venus spent so long in Scorpio before she was in Sagittarius, and Scorpio is dark and grimy and underworld. Uh, no <laughs> offense to Scorpios, you're you know uh, nothing nothing wrong with some dark, grimy underworld. <laughs> I mean, yeah, do it. But uh, no, so but that's not an easy place for the planet of love and beauty to be, right? No. Um, and then Venus went into Sagittarius in early January. Yeah, and and while Jupiter's in Sagittarius, and she's like, all right, time to relax, time to let my hair down, time to party. Yeah. Venus is a lot of what we do for pleasure, you know. Venus is as much a part of sex as Mars is. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the reason. Well, I don't get into that now. Um, <laughs> so, but then, if moving from Sagittarius into Capricorn in February, it's the 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 party shuts down and it's time to get back to work.
1: Yeah, right.
0: You know, it's like okay, it's it's like Sagittarius has this welcome break for Venus in terms of just oh, I mm-hmm. can breathe. You know, yeah. like, my yeah. heart feels lighter now. Mm-hmm. And it's like okay, now you've had that break. Now we
1: got to do the work. Now
0: now what are you doing? You know, your relationship is, you you know, like if you were had an intimate partnership or like not even necessarily romantic relationship, but like a important friendship or partner or whatever. And it's like, and uh, it was really challenged over the fall and in December. And then in January, it's like, okay, now things are easier. Now we can breathe. And then Venus goes into Capricorn in February. And it's like, Okay, back to back to actually work because relationships are work, yeah.
1: Right. I mean, you get this this unburdening through Sag. You know, Sag has this deep rooted but lighthearted optimism about it. So you know, Venus might have been, you know, it's bubbling as Nate was talking about. It's bubbling to the surface, and you might feel like it was really heavy. And then in Sag, it can be like, okay, so yeah. I, I'm unburdening a bit, and then Cap, you can. Give it give it some direction, like we were saying yeah. before, like like the mission. Have, I know it, what I want to do now so I can do it and the execution.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it is it is a much more serious Venus. Yes. Right. Especially because Saturn's there in Capricorn too.
3: I know some Venus Capricorn people who are the most um sensually embodied dancers, actually. Like sensually Absolutely. embodied earthy dancers.
1: The form of Capricorn. Yeah, like the, yeah the form. The, the fine tuning is, you know, beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, and, and it's not, yeah, Capricorn's earthy, you yeah. know, it's grounded, it's physical.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yes.
0: But people with Venus and Capricorn, like they, like your friends, they're professional dancers.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah or, exactly. or or movement coaches because they cause they understand <laughs> right. the, the formal container, the formal technique. You know,
0: yeah, get, yeah.
1: You technique, there. technique. Yeah.
3: yeah,
0: there you go. Yeah, yeah. like Venus and Pisces or, or Mars and Pisces is just gonna dance because it's fun to dance and it feels good. You Me. Know, <laughs> Capricorn is gonna be like, you know, okay, we're gonna make money dancing, which means we're gonna be really really good at it.
3: Yeah. or or even if or even if they're not financially ambitious it's like we're going to um, we're going to connect dance to something that there's up to purpose. something that seems to matter yeah right, right. A purpose to yeah. yeah yeah
0: mm. there's a and whatever that purpose is yeah mm-hmm. and i I, I do want to mention that this sort of Venus moving through Capricorn will affect you most if your sun moon or rising sign is Taurus or Libra yeah.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. I always do that with my uh, weekly astro weather, so my
1: yeah. No, good call. Mm-hmm.
0: So, and then right the, the very next day, we've got the new moon in Aquarius. Yeah. So let me actually pull up the chart for that, so we can take a look at this bad boy. So, so one of the best things about this new moon uh, is that it's the end of eclipse season. Mm -hmm. So there were a couple of eclipses in January and generally like there's a portal around eclipses extending to half a lunar cycle on either end, but basically about two weeks. And so once that cycle is over, then you get out of that portal. Just eclipse season is just weird. (laughs) Like everybody I know has been having really weird dreams all month this January when they've been sleeping. When all. they've been sleeping at all, right? Yeah. yeah. When well, they've been sleeping at all, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the well um, yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> one good one of the good things about J- Venus moving into Capricorn is that January has and just to go back to that for a moment, January has had so many planets in fire signs that there's just been so much energy all over the place. Caitlin Kopik, actually lovely astrologer and colleague of mine pointed this out on Twitter that, yeah, people aren't sleeping because half because there's so many planets in fire signs right now. Mm-hmm. This month, January, we're recording this in January, but in February, things start to shift and it'll be a little less intense in terms of ah all this energy all this time. All right. So for if we get this video going, we've got uh, the chart pulled up for the new moon. And it's at 15 degrees of Aquarius, right smack dab in the middle, pretty close to Mercury and not making a ton of other aspects. Oh, one thing actually, no, that's interesting. So one of the major outer planet transits going on uh, throughout uh, 2019 is we've got Saturn sextile to Neptune. And this Mm -hmm. new moon is right in the middle of that.
1: Yeah, it's bisecting that.
0: Yeah, it is right at the midpoint exactly Saturn mm-hmm. at 15 Capricorn Neptune at 15 Pisces and the yep. new moon is right there at 15 Aquarius yep um, I don't how would you interpret that Nate?
3: well uh, I I feel I'm continuing to feel the uh, interplay of Saturn the you know con- the the sometimes constrictor or the um, the disciplinarian, and sometimes even in certain cases, the jailer and Uranus, the wild card and the liberator. And right. These, these two, these two co-rulers, depending on what system you use, these co-rulers of Aquarius, that there's always an Aquarian interplay of the, walking the tightrope between constriction and liberation between being limited, feeling your boundaries and being able to kind of break through the boxes and expand outward. Um, And I guess my interpretation would have to do with what I've observed as um, an actually heavily figured Uranus into our eclipse season going through this whole, well, well, this past eclipse season we've had, but also going through the eclipse seasons of 2019, there are very strong Aquarian themes to everything. So I think what I can see at first blush is just a sense of feeling that tension really strongly of feeling limitations and wanting to break out of them or needing to confront our limitations in certain ways and asking, okay, do, we really, do I really need to conceive of these limitations the way that I'm thinking about them right now? Or are my limitations defined by the way that I kind of conceive of the box in the first place? You know, what, is, what is the box? What, what principles define and shape the boxes that I create for myself in life? So that's that's kind of my first my
0: first go at it. Very good point there. I'm more drawn to the the Saturn Neptune thing rather than the Saturn Uranus. Um, Yeah. Especially because Saturn and Neptune are very different planets. Mm -hmm. You know, Saturn sets rules and limitations and strict solid boundaries. Yeah. You know, Saturn builds walls and neptune says oh there's no boundaries everything's all one it's all dispersed and here i have another 10 drinks yeah
1: yeah it's very diffuse
0: it's very diffuse people with a lot of neptune aspects have have difficulty setting boundaries mm-hmm. right because it's just like what's what's no what's a boundary so this and i think part of how we got to where we are just in terms of the larger culture, particularly in the United States was everything that went on politically in 2016, which was a large part of the Saturn Neptune square that was going on then mm-hmm. uh-huh. you know, of, I mean, there was just everywhere I looked in 2016, there was a sense of, I don't even know what's real anymore.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and and yeah. needless conflict and bickering and petty infighting and, people acting uncharacteristically obnoxious yeah obnoxious. everyone mm. i was certainly doing it <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and, and like and the, i mean there was there was drama in every community i heard anything about that year mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's a very tumultuous year for everybody oh regardless yeah of
0: the and topic I, and i, I blame the saturn neptune square for a lot of that but here we've got saturn and neptune in sextile uh-huh. it was a flowing aspect. Things tend to go easily. It's not as strong as a trine, but it's there's this sort of like, okay, I got you. You do you. You do you. Cool. Where instead of like this massive conflict between the the need for boundaries and the need for no boundaries, it's almost like the coexistence of opposites.
2: Right. Like, what was uh-huh. it? what's that? What's it?
0: Uh, uh, never mind. I am not going to mention that Simpsons joke on with the air.
2: <laughs> um, but,
0: <laughs> no. <there's, laughs> It's only so politically inappropriate I'm willing to go on this. Podcast. Fair enough. you <laughs> more than that, find me on Twitter. Um, and uh, But no, there's, it's almost like, yeah, some people are going to ha- It's. and I think part of what that looks like is, especially because Neptune has this aspect of like higher spirituality, uh-huh. you know, of, of just resonance with the universal one and all, or phrases that sound like that, um, Saturn is bringing some structure to that, some consistency, some, okay, yes, you're going to take this serious long-term spiritual path where you just, you know, explode your own head, um, intuitively right. speaking, <laughs> but uh, how are you going to feed yourself while you're in the ashram?
3: Uh-huh. Right.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. And that, those sorts of questions of structure versus either wanting to chill out or wanting to... You know, disassociate or wanting to unify with the universe, which looks a lot like disassociation. uh, (laughs) If you're not careful, right? This sort of okay, it's working, but there is some tension there Mm -hmm. because it's a sextile, but they're very different archetypes.
3: Very different. Yeah. Oh, Margaret, you go ahead. Oh
0: no, (laughs) no. But I just wanted to say this new moon is really triggering that tension and that relationship between Saturn and Neptune I really like um yeah
1: mid midpoint I mean I really like midpoints yeah whatever but um as far as like in these sorts of instances where I like the term outletting Mm. so if the sun and the moon are sitting in the middle it's almost like cause the sun, you know, is, is the self and the moon is the emotional, you know, without rising, those are the two, the luminaries, you know, they're, they're very important. So it's almost like there's a person standing exactly in the hinge of like a uh, seesaw where one yeah. side is Saturn in cap, holding all these really restrictive, you know, for, for our own good. Of yeah. course Saturn's always for our own good, but these restrictive tendencies and Neptune's on the other side being like be diffuse, let go connect. But the sun moon is sitting right in the middle. So I would almost say that it's providing balance. Balance, Mm. again, is a buzzword. I'm hesitant to throw balance around like, you know, my weight or whatever. But I
0: think it's perfectly appropriate in this. It's almost like holding
1: out your arms and standing in the very middle of a seesaw and letting the energy from both kind of like you're, you're holding two chains on the side and you're harnessing that, you know, and you're letting that go. So new moons are always interesting as far as that goes. But I think that the exactitude of the degrees at which this is happening
3: uh-huh.
1: make it a very interesting, different sort of situation. It's almost like I said, like outletting,
3: like uh-huh. your lightning
1: rod for both of these guys kind of channeling into you and letting you go out through your fingertips. Yes. Drastic arm movements, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. But and,
3: yeah. Uh,
1: I, I like it. I think it's interesting.
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna add a little twist on this because you're both you're both triggering another perception in me, which is that we we must remember that Neptune Poseidon is also right. the Earth shaker. So oh yes, uh, so of course. even though and, and yeah and, and you're both I I think you're both right, but also and also even though there's a sextile. Um, I'm I'm picking up on some earth shaker vibes in this new moon because um, you know Saturn the Earth can be it it cannot we we tend to think of I think I think the archetype of Neptune as conceived in astrology is we often we very often focus on the sort of dissolving spiritual sort of transcendentally compassionate aspect or or diluted aspect of it but it's also Mm -hmm. it actually can be quite uh tumultuous at the same time i mean when we think of earthquakes and how right how how tumultuous earthquakes are and the reason why i'm picking up on that is also because although although the new moon is not um is not directly aspecting mars and uranus this is again, depending on hinging on what system you use, but I'm going back to, you know, the moon in Aquarius linking to Uranus in, in Aries, because Uranus ruling the new moon, the Uranus yeah. in that like wild card, that liberator that gives that push outward. Um, and then Mars being in its being at home in its own sign of Aries. Uh, which you know is is this again this like mars this vigorous drive starting things sort of energy so uh-huh. i'm feeling also with this new moon there's there's there there could be balance there could also be a, a strong sense of push and shaking shaking things despite the kind of despite the lovely sextile aspects going on because mars and uranus are kind of there even though it seems that the other planets aren't necessarily looking at them direct straight on, they're still kind of like holding the funds for a lot of things that are going on with this lunation. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
3: Yeah.
0: So I'm also being drawn towards the uh, sextile between the new moon and Jupiter. Mm. And and it's pretty close to Mercury too. Mm -hmm. So with the Jupiter in Sagittarius, that's that's the, the spiritual component of Neptune is emphasized there. And with Mercury, there's, I mean, Mercury analyzes and plans. So one thing I'm just thinking of, everybody talks about as new moons as times to make beginnings and not necessarily major beginnings, but just, you know, start something. Not every new moon is good for that. You know, eclipses, solar eclipses generally aren't, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's other, there's new moons later in this year, which I would not recommend. That Sagittarius
3: (laughs) a couple months ago was another example of one where it was not
0: not the moon uh, yeah that was yeah a yeah, one. yeah.
3: yeah that was hard. <laughs>
0: um, this one i think is particularly good in terms of like uh giving if you've got a, if you're involved in any sort of spiritual path and you want to help figure out a structure to it starting some sort of structure around your spiritual goals uh this is a good new moon for that mm-hmm. um
1: yeah.
0: yeah i'm inclined to agree mm-hmm. you No, know, uh the the closeness to mercury uh, also gives it for especially if you want to do any sort of uh, l- just laying the groundwork in a notebook
1: mm-hmm.
0: of just like doing figuring out what your plans are
1: yeah just laying them. it out give it some bullet points maybe or yeah buzzwords
0: make yourself a powerpoint headers jupiter. yeah
1: make yourself a powerpoint
3: because <laughs> <laughs> jupiter is also trining mars so there's it's so there's yeah. also that that energy of the go ahead the release like yeah you you can do it absolutely Confidence. yeah
1: Excellent. All right. right. Yeah. What's the so next thing we got, got on the menu?
3: We've also got Mercury going into Pisces. On oh, the on 10th. the 10th. Yeah. yeah. So
0: that's a, we skip ahead a few days. Pisces is, is not a great place for Mercury. <laughs> uh, Mercury <laughs> travels in Pisces. Um, mm. No offense. We could say it doesn't have as many resources. <laughs> it, it, it has a lot of time that. doing what Mercury wants to do. Yeah. Um, Mercury wants to communicate Pisces as a mute sign. You know, Mercury wants to sort everything into nice, neat, little organized piles. Pisces throws all of its clothes on the bed. Mercury you know?
3: is discursive and Pisces, you know, very verbal... And Pisces is intuitive. What going beyond words, going it
1: never fails. Um, Because I, I'm also like Nate. Nate does it professionally, but I do storytelling as well. um, Because I live in Wisconsin, so I go to Madison. There's a story, Madison Story Slam, really cool event. They have a podcast and stuff too. Um, But it never fails. Whenever Mercury goes into Pisces, I feel this bizarre compulsion to write poems. So I have like this massive volume of poetry that I only write. Like once a year and then I like don't really feel compelled to write for the rest of the year and then it comes back around and I just every time.
2: <laughs> I
0: love a, it. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of poets with Mercury and Pisces because it's communicate it's using words without using words. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like finding meaning in words that isn't natural that isn't automatically there. Mm-hmm
3: using words to evoke what is beyond words. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. But there's a difference between the, again, we're going back to the difference between the natal and the transit. Right. Um, right. When you've got natal Mercury in Pisces, you've got that your whole life. Mm-hmm. And so you can have a lot of struggles around communication and using your voice with Mercury in Pisces when you're younger, but planets in, I mean, in the sign of their detriment or fall, which is a sign that planets usually do so well in, you tend to get better at doing that planet as you get older. You tend to to learn how to work with it. Um, So Mercury and Pisces, a lot of poets, but also a lot of people who struggle to use their voice until their first Saturn return or a little
1: after. Right.
0: Um, But in transit, you don't have as much time to adjust.
1: Right.
2: (laughs) No.
0: So if you can already, if you can already, you know, you know, if you can already, already rock the way Pisces rocks, then you can work with Mercury and Pisces. But if you're like, if you're all Gemini and Virgo, which is um, what the the planet's ruled by Mercury, there's going to be a lot of dispersion. There's going to be a lot of mm, difficulty being as analytical and as organized as usually comes naturally to those sides. Right. Yeah. And
3: um, as as the listeners of this podcast may know, the one of the amazing things about astrology is um, that it offers a way to look at different things that are going on in the world. Um, and I'm just thinking about how um, when the diff- different things uh, over the last few months that have involved gasoline in the world, and uh. how Neptune. So so Neptune again, we're back to Neptune, Poseidon, the Earth shaker, also the spiritual ruling gasoline uh, or being, being sort of the, um, being, being the correspondent, you know, mythic figure to gasoline because of right. distillation and it's um, a slippery liquid indeed <laughs> that, that, uh, that, so now we've, we had, look when Neptune went direct after being retrograde, it's like, Oh, Neptune making this kind of surge comeback in November, we had all of these, um, we had in France, the yellow vest protesters, which centered around gasoline and diesel. Um, Mm -hmm. So so these kind of like Neptunian events going on, these Pisces, Neptune events. And then we also, um, just recently there have been these gasoline related explosions in Mexico. So I'm just just thinking about the way that we can track, you know, different planetary movements through, through world events and through world news. Absolutely.
0: Um, and Mercury tends Mer, Mercury being the messenger deity, yeah. they tend to, uh, get, they tend to, you tend to hear about whatever Mercury is doing. Yeah. You know, whatever yeah. planets, whatever signs Mercury touches, you're going to hear about it. So you're going, so just what people are talking about is going to have a lot more to do with Pisces, including what's going on with Neptune, but Mm -hmm. especially but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves (laughs) because Mercury doesn't, we'll get to that.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I know it'll take a while to really get close to Neptune, but yeah, yeah. yeah, it's way there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll get to that. In the meantime, we've got Valentine's day. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. So on February 13th, Mars conjoins Uranus. And then the very next day, on February 14th, Valentine's Day, Mars enters Taurus. And this is one of the first things that stood out to me about the month. Um, Yeah, that's hefty. Well, I mean, it's the day of romance and love, and Mars is entering a Venus World sign. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So Mars struggles in Taurus, because Mars wants to be aggressive and focused and move and go and Taurus wants to very, very slowly take its time and stop and smell the flowers and maybe deliberately arrange a bouquet of those flowers that it's stopping right. To smell. Right, right. Mars
3: likes to initiate things. Like Mars likes to initiate and start the new season and Taurus, as a fixed sign, wants to go deeper, even yeah. if low. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh,
0: Muhammad Ali had Mars and Taurus. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. so he uh, so he but what he did was he completely changed the game in boxing and what was the phrase he's most known for float like, like a butterfly bars. sting like a bee mm-hmm. so you've got this athlete who's talking about punching people for a living by talking about <laughs> butterflies
1: right right That's of course. and, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: No. and Mars, also, for, pe- for Aries and Scorpios for, or people with the sun, moon, or rising or other in, in Aries and Scorpio, Mars is super important in terms of like the fuel in the tank. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, um, every, pla- every science ruling planet is the fuel in that science tank. So Gemini and Virgo have a harder time doing Gemini and Virgo things while Mercury's in Pisces. Aries and Scorpio have a harder time doing Aries and Scorpio things while Mars is in Taurus.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: So uh, just be just be mindful that uh, when a planet is going into the sign of its fall or detriment and it rules a bunch of important stuff in your chart, you the fuel is not, it's going to be, speaking of gasoline, (laughs) I didn't even do that intentionally.
2: I thought Um, you did. It's going to be hard to
0: make the engine go.
2: Right. Um, Right.
0: But because Mars is an engine, it's especially true for Mars, for Mars world science.
3: Yeah.
0: And it's interesting because Mars, Mars went into Aries on New Year's Eve. Right. All of January and the first half of February, you've got Mars in a sign where it's very Mars-y. It's very like, go, 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 move, move, move. Get it done, get it done. You know, attack. Yeah. Or <laughs> or, <laughs> or Right. Fight. Fight, fight, fight. Not a lot of staying power in Aries, though. Mm-hmm. Right. And Taurus yeah. has staying power. You know. Yeah, not
3: a lot of, like, what's the long term of this, right? In yeah. But this, But Taurus, yeah.
0: So, one thing that happens a lot is that you've, I mean, it's an old cliche that people uh, resolve to go to the gym for their New Year's resolution. Right. And I think that that's, that's something you especially expect this year with Mars going into Aries on New Year's Eve. Uh-huh. But if you've been keeping that, if you've kept up that going to the gym thing, um, you might hit a wall on, uh, around the 14th. Yeah. Because all of a sudden it's like, ugh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Screech to a halt. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Or more like you're, you're running and then all of a sudden, instead of running through air, you're running through molasses. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. So it's a <laughs> test in staying power. Not just going to the gym, but whatever you're doing that requires a lot of energy, particularly for people with Aries and Scorpio stuff. When Mars goes into Taurus, it's going to be the test to see, can you keep this up? Can you keep going yeah. until you catch a second wind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's
3: a good point. I would also encourage people um, in terms of the conjunction with Uranus to yes. uh, think about for the partial solar eclipse that we had on uh, January 6th, I think it was, Uranus went direct within 24 hours of that, of that oh, eclipse. Yeah. Yeah. So there was this kind of electrification, you know, this kind of electrifying energy, which may have um, made us feel that we're kind of pushed into... A further kind of uh, social mm, social outlets for our ideals we might say mm-hmm. or social outlets for what goals or wishes that we have right um, and so i just I just encourage people to pay attention to during this Mars Uranus conjunction of if you have an opportunity to go to kind of harness a push forward towards your desires on a social level or on on a kind of like Um, community level that there's that there could be an opportunity to do that during this time a a, a brief window but it's kind of like if it's a kind of under running undercurrent theme since that solar eclipse on the 6th of january that 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 this might be a kind of hurrah for that to happen the on the 13th
0: one of the keywords i use for uh i I like what you said there nick one of the keywords i use for uranus is lightning bolt Mm mm-hmm yeah. And combined right. with Mars, that can go in a lot of different directions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, where, where Mars in aspect with Pluto will sort of dig in and twist. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, Mars Mars in aspect with Uranus is sort of, a, you know, almost like a, a crossbow bolt. <laughs> yeah.
1: You mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm.
0: So right. uh, if you've got a lot of planets and Aries and Scorpio, just be mindful of your temper on that mm-hmm. day. You know, it can just be so easy to get real pissed off real quick. When yeah. You've got Mars in aspect with Uranus.
1: And uh, around Valentine's day, especially that's
0: around that. Valentine's day. Yeah. Gotta
1: keep that in mind, you know? Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but it can also just be like a sudden burst of energy and movement,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. but
0: having that right before Mars enters Taurus on a practical level, what that might look like is losing your energy when Mars enters Taurus because you went too hard the day before. Yeah. Kind of like um, being hungover. over. <laughs> 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 went too? yeah, I mean, not, I mean, it could be in terms of partying. If you've got Aries as your fifth house, totally could be in terms of partying. I'm
1: being silly. It's just like, you know, there's always repercussions if you go too hard the night before, like doing anything. You
0: That's know? what she said. Mm. Oh. oh. Oh first one. How long did
1: that take? Took about over an hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. It was great. Like almost exactly an hour before I think.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking what, what would just, just as a kind of final bit, what what would oh. this oh go ahead, you were gonna finish yeah, saying something. Yeah. Okay. So
0: I this I keep meaning to mention this. What strikes me about it being Valentine's Day is that Mars is entering Venus's territory. Mm-hmm. So we've talked so far about science sort of being like the room that the planet is in. Yep.
2: You
0: know? And mm-hmm. that room has got certain tools which with which that planet can either do what it likes to do or struggle to do what it likes to do. Right. But there's also a room and that room is affected by who walks into the room. Mm-hmm. So Taurus which like Taurus is going to be affected by having Mars there. Mm -hmm. So all the Venusian stuff, particularly the physical, the sensual, the earthy, the embodied sort of Venusian stuff around pleasure and aesthetic and, you know, connection and value. Value is another important keyword for both Venus and Taurus. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden Mars enters venus's room on valentine's day and that can either be a, a damn good time in bed or it can be why are we fighting i thought this relationship was perfect
1: yeah especially with the day before mars uranus action it could just be a spontaneous you absolutely
3: know. clashing of wills yeah
1: yeah that's why I'm, you got to be kind of careful around valentine's day and you know don't you don't have to walk on eggshells but like you were saying like you, why are we fighting like
0: yeah fine. <laughs> you know and that's i think brings it back to the point of Taurus testing mars's staying power yeah because fights break out in relationships that's yeah. a normal part of being in a relationship exactly it's just what do you do from there
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. that's that's what i was picking up with the valentine's day thing
1: totally that's
0: great that's great yeah but you were about to say
3: no that that actually you kind of read my mind and addressed <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say i was kind of going to throw out the question what? yeah i was going to throw out the question Well yeah right you can read it yeah <laughs> uh, i was going to ask what do you what do you two think this would you know, be a good Valentine's Day to do you know, versus what might it be a less favorable?
1: Oh, like as far as date activities, I yeah. mean, rock climbing. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>.
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, you could even go out dancing or something physical, but depending on who you are in Italy, you might be a little drained. Fine dining, Taurus loves some fine dining. I was fine
0: thinking dining. fine dining, yeah.
1: Taurus loves the fine dining. Fine so
0: maybe dining a or, or, or getting a massage together.
1: Ooh, spa day. Spa day might be good for your energy levels too. Yeah. Blood bath. Right.
0: The I, sensual,
3: the sensual, intimate stuff. Maybe yeah. not the best, maybe not the best time to assume that, that surprising your partner with something new and risky will be
0: successful. That is a good call. I <laughs> <laughs> that's generally a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an especially bad idea this Valentine's Day. <laughs> keep it,
1: keep yeah. it safe. Play it safe. If you know what they love to do, honey, I got this really intense thing that you already love to do like it's it's more elaborate than this thing we already like to do together so if you like going out or cooking maybe going out for like a really really nice dinner as opposed to just like chilling you know yeah, and,
0: and, and great, yeah and if you're single i will say places where you pick up people are easy pickings on valentine's day oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes
1: go out I mean, have have a but good time for yourself. Yeah, you know?
0: absolutely. I mean, even if you're not picking people up, you know, yeah, energy
1: I know. will be cool <laughs> to go out and see what's going on. You know, if you're single, yeah.
0: I mean, even really if you, I mean, it is it is a holiday of Venus in right. a lot of ways. Doesn't fit very well as a holiday of Venus astrologically, right? truly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah yeah. 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 So spending it on giving yourself creature comforts is a great idea.
1: Absolutely. So
0: good. Yeah. And for some people that is great rock climbing. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Great
3: point. Yeah.
0: All right. Then we have next up. So there's a lot of stuff that happens on uh, the 18th and 19th. We've got Chiron entering Aries and we've got venus con- uh, conjunct saturn and we've got the full moon in Virgo.
1: so for um. our, for our our listeners might not be very familiar with Chiron so who, who is Chiron
0: what who, does it
1: do?
3: who is this dude yeah, <laughs> yeah who is this, this man horse okay, describe chiron yeah
0: Oh no! You, 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 no, no. She passed the ball to us. Oh, you? she passed. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> all right. Fine. Please
0: tell our
1: listeners what this
0: I, is.
3: Yeah, I love I mean, Kyron. Uh, Chiron. Chiron. Yeah. Well, I mean, Chiron is has long been called the wounded healer, and um, to such an extent that it can be easy to sort of forget why that's the case. But Chiron is Chiron is a healer. Chiron mythologically was also the mentor to many of the great heroes. Um, he
1: was a centaur so he Yeah, was half he was a man,
3: centaur half horse. Yes. And, he was, and he was a son of Saturn who, who you know, Saturn after getting, in, getting into this nymph sexually was um, as Kronos in the Greek was, shamed, was uh, kind of ashamed when, when his wife was coming and looking on and about to see them in the act so he transformed himself into a horse and it's said that as a result Chiron was born uh, half horse, half human right. form. a right, so centaur.
0: Half yeah. animal, half man. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so, uh, but he ended up being, he ended up learning medicine, learning, you know, healing and um, kind of taking on these, as per the kind of painful circumstances of his birth, he took on all of these heroes under his wing and mentored uh-huh. them and even kind of nurtured and parented them for much of their lives. Um, if we think of like Jason, J- from Jason and the Argonauts um, or the great, a lot of the great epic heroes. Um, but he also is known for being very wounded, which is a whole other-
1: A story. sad end, yeah.
3: Yeah, a whole other story. And um, he had a, as a result of Hercules misfiring, a poisonous arrow, this, this tip of the poisonous arrow landed on Chiron's thigh, and it became an incurable wound because it was a, it was a wound of the soul. Um, But at the same time, on the other side, Chiron had this great ability to heal and work with healing powers with people. Um, So on a personal level, what does that mean? We can feel Chiron in terms of where are we wounded? Where are we wounded? And how does wisdom also come from our wound? Or how does wisdom also or our gift also come from the way that we've suffered?
0: That last point is, I think, really essential to Chiron because it's not just that Chiron was the healer. Chiron in a chart shows mastery. Yeah, Because if you look at the figure of Chiron, he could do everything. So what I often think of with Chiron, and this is is just a place I've been getting at the past year or so, is that Chiron shows where we gain mastery through our woundedness. Uh And what that looks like is everybody's got their thing. Everybody's got like their wound that will not stop bleeding. Say, for example, um, that, w- that, that you're convinced you're, you're not pretty enough and that no matter what you do, no matter what people tell you, you are just convinced you are not pretty enough. And so you do everything you can to make up for that perceived lack. Yeah. You, and you eventually, and you, you become a master of dressing well, of using makeup, of picking out quality jewelry. All of the accoutrement, all of the bits and pieces of what it takes to create that aesthetic, you, beca- you go out of your way to master that because of this story, this wound that was going on in your head. I'm not pretty enough. And that is expertise. And then you work with that Chiron wound. You go through it. And eventually you realize that that story you've been telling yourself that entire time was never true in the first place. But especially now that you've done all of this work as a result of that wound, the opposite is true.
1: Yeah.
0: And exactly. you see yourself of that, and that's mastery.
1: And, and, and that's knowing, knowing that you have that wound is freeing enough. And, and yeah. going forth from the mastery, you're like, well, I know this about myself, which means I feel like that's a huge part of mastering anything, is being aware of its existence at all. You're like, well, I know I have this thing. Well, I have a very active, Chiron's very active in my natal chart, so like... Yeah. I know some yeah. stuff about work.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um,
1: yeah. and it's it's really beautiful when you finally are just like, Oh, this wasn't this problem wasn't real, but I've figured out how to solve this problem that wasn't even there. So it's almost like having like a layer of protective armor
0: of no just, just knowledge. But it's know? also a wound that never goes away completely right healing is not a linear process healing is not you, you you know there's some things where you just you spend your entire life working on them and then you know a, a whole bunch of things go wrong in one day and then it's right back where you were right You get back on the horse or you get right back on the centaur um that's yeah. that's what the chiron wound is
3: mm-hmm. i love um, the way both of you just put that yeah that's great if you look at some of the contemporary work that's been done around the acorn myth, the notion that each person, each soul comes into a human body with, uh, with a, with a diamond of some sort, or with a, with a, a sense of genius, basically that a genius mm. that informs the human body through the human soul, the soul an, in the human body, an through life, spirit. an animated yeah. spirit, exactly that some of the work that's been done around this goes into stories of how, how a sense of one's calling is discovered and, and how, you know, and and it happens differently for different people, but I'm talking about, I forget who, who one of these stories was about, but just stories such as when a certain very prominent writer um, was all, all, you know, all his teachers in third grade said that he couldn't read and write and that he was behind all of the other students. And then it turns out, in his 30s or whatever, in his adulthood, he becomes a very prominent writer. Or we have different kinds of examples. Or um, I forget some famous athlete who couldn't, who, who couldn't, who was, who everyone thought he couldn't play sports when he was a kid. And then it's uh-huh. like, so the work that's been done on these cases has, has talked about, like, well, of course, if you look at it from the perspective of, the the guiding, as Arthur just said, animated spirit, and also, as you said earlier, the wound that won't stop bleeding. It's like the animating spirit guides us, but also upsets us. And also kind of it, it's it can be a taskmaster sometimes. It's not like this sort of gentle soft cuddly animating spirit right so so there's a certain perspective that says of course that person had trouble reading and writing in third grade right. it's because they were destined it's because part of their destiny was becoming a great writer and they were they were already dealing with the burden of that from when they were very young so it kind of flips the script a little yeah. bit on we our feel pal-
1: like, yeah like if if we suffer some sort of injustice like maybe we didn't get enough affection that we desired when we were little or whatever, you grow up and you're like, I want to help people the way that I was never helped. Right. I can provide this comfort because I myself have directly experienced this wound and I know it'll never go away, but helping other people avoid the pain of that can almost be the healing.
0: Right. And it's not necessarily about healing others for a lot. For folks in our social circles, it often is. But like for some person, it could be like uh, let's talk about tourists some more. Like the <laughs> the the food at home was growing up was just awful. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. like the just they they never could stand their their family's cooking, and so they become an expert chef and they never cook for anyone else. They just cook for themselves.
1: Right. Right.
0: They're really good it, cooking. But it's
1: <laughs> it's remedying a wound knowing it'll never go away, but almost like getting on top of it and standing on top yeah. of it. And being like it's here, but it's also lifting me up higher than I was before.
2: Yes. You know, if absolutely. you think of it as a
1: rock kind of crushing you, you get out from under it and then you stand on it. The rock's not gonna go away. But, right. you know, it's it's elevating you in its existence. I yeah. Suppose. As far Um, as it going into Aries. Yeah,
2: so a lot of this has to do
0: with what, what, yeah, no, I was just thinking that a lot of this has to do with Chiron in the natal chart and how you work with your individual Chiron. But if you look at Chiron transiting, what's, where's Chiron going on? What's part of the sky is Chiron going through at a given moment? You're looking at sort of where this, this story on a collective level. Where are we all wounded in the nature of this sign? Where is our collective trauma?
1: And it's important yeah. to note that it's going from Pisces to Aries, which is yeah. kind of a special
0: leap. Well, it, it, it briefly dipped into Aries for a little while, yeah. I say last summer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't, don't have the dates off the top of my head. Um, before going back into Pisces, and just, it's just been finishing up the last bit of the Pisces story. Um, which has been going on for like eight years now. Karen's orbit is sort of diagonal to, mu- to the planets. Um, it's not a planet. It's called the centaur. That's the mm. name of the object. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of goes at a diagonal. So because of that, it'll spend anywhere from two to eight years in a sign. And Pisces is <laughs> one of the ones that spends a really long time in. So just a lot of what we've been dealing with on our collective wounded level is, you know, the this sort of infinite, it's you know, Pisces wound to me is just everything is just so much, mm-hmm. it's all just so much, everything is everything all at once, all over. Overwhelming, yes. yeah, overwhelming, yeah. Overwhelming, yes. overwhelming, exactly. Drowning, mm-hmm. yeah, Almost a little Drowning. Bit. yeah, well, mm-hmm. yeah, and I mean, that's the consequence of the trouble with boundaries you find with Pisces. You know, it's just everything is coming in all at once. Or the fog. It's foggy. Yeah, Yeah. foggy. And there's also this question of the ideal of the belief of the dream of the vision, because you do have the, the traditional ruler of Jupiter for Pisces. So it's like, what do we all believe? Everything's going on all the time, all at once. We've seen that a lot. I mean, we've absolutely seen like in this collective sense of, everything is happening all at once and it just hurts so much. Yeah. That's been the culture.
1: For yeah. a long time. I mean, we're the all... Past
0: couple of around, years, yeah.
1: We're all around the same age too, so our, our age group is feeling it in a specific way. You know? yeah. yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah, we've the... the Yeah, the Pluto and Scorpio generation is really a short end of the stick.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. Sure yeah,
0: is. The, 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 uh, we're, That's we're, a whole we're, episode. We're the ones <laughs> who got the song. Yeah, that is a whole episode. It is, yeah. But now this shift is into Aries, so it's like, oh my God. It goes from, oh my God, everything is all at once to, I'm going to do something about it. <laughs> yeah, right. Like when, when Kyron was last in Aries in the 60s, you had a lot of really violent protests. Mm-hmm. And this is a long transit. This is, I think, another six, seven, eight years, of Cancer yeah. and Aries. But now we're just getting introduced to it of like, of claiming our rage. Yeah. And yeah. that's in some ways that's a very destructive thing. And on, on another way, from another angle, there's a lot of people who have never been given permission to claim their rage. Exactly. Who are suddenly yeah. feeling like, oh, I have permission to be angry. Yeah. And that's big.
1: It's huge. It's huge. Yeah,
0: Cancer and Aries can be very much like woundedness around your anger, dealing with the fact that you feel you couldn't, you didn't have a right to be angry, and yeah. like I have a right to be angry because that's yeah. part of the human experience, mm-hmm. right? You know. And part of it is anger, and part of it is just that, that Mars-ruled areas of that passion, that will, that, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to move, I'm going to get shit done.
1: And, and Chiron chills out as far as in space, space locale, kind of between Saturn and Uranus.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it goes to, yeah.
1: so it's kind of hanging out between this planet of structure and boundaries and this planet of suddenness.
0: Yeah, the authority who limits and the revolutionary who defies those limits.
1: Yeah, so Chiron brings that into the mix, and especially with, um, was it immediately the next day or was it the same day with, with Venus?
0: Yeah, Chiron enters Aries on the 18th and Venus can join Saturn on the 18th as well.
1: So that's that's a whole other layer of, of sudden, I don't want to say suddenness, but if... Chiron has a hybridization of Saturnian and Uranian energy and Saturn is going to aspect Venus on the same day.
0: Yeah. You know, and, obviously
1: they're not the right. same planet, but it's it's a coloring, you know, it's a hue.
3: Yes. So Absolutely. And furthermore We have to take uh,
1: note of that. Yeah.
3: Right. And yes, and also and to add to that, um, Margaret also. Chiron in Aries goes back to that points to Mars in Taurus, which points to Venus in Capricorn, which goes to set. So it which goes to Saturn. So yeah. in other words, Venus and Saturn are also informing in a certain way. Final, like in a final sense, like Venus and Saturn are informing Chiron's move into. Absolutely, Aries. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, with the rulership and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So, so what might
1: what might the Venus conjunction mean on its own and then what would it mean in relation to chiron
0: well there's i mean there's there's like four events going on in these two days
3: right so we just <laughs> right chiron entering aries and now we're talking about venus conjoining saturn well
0: venus uh, venus conjunct saturn is uh sort of a i remember so i was at uac last year at the united astrology conference that's where margaret and i met um woo! Woo, it was a great time <laughs> yeah if, if, you're real, if you really love astrology, go to an astrology conference. Check oh, it out. It's amazing.
1: It's amazing.
0: There's scholarships available and whatnot. Um, but anyway, during URAC, there was a Venus-Saturn opposition. And mm-hmm. on the night of the Venus-Saturn opposition, they held a sort of like a fancy ball-slash-auction that was supposed to be 20s-themed and had a live jazz band. And there was no band. I forget if they didn't show up or if they left after 20 minutes to go to another gig or it was something like that. But then what you had was all of these people standing around ready for a fancy party and there was no music. Right. (laughs) Saturn. Yeah. Yeah. That Venus wants to be fun and pleasurable and relate and Saturn says no to things. (laughs) Like no. Right. (laughs) No. <laughs> Saturn is New
1: mm-hmm.
0: Saturn So what is might the conjunction? Just I, just, I need to use that more often.: <laughs>
1: <laughs> What might the conjunction mean as opposed to the opposition of that
0: time? It's still so the opposition is more of a, more of a conflict to it, whereas it, where it's like the opposition is like the no is coming from externally. Whereas in, with the conjunction, the node is just there. Like the wall mm-hmm. is just there. The barrier is just there. And they're just sort of vibrating on the same frequency. Because when you've got a conjunction, you've got two planets that are, that are the exact same point in the sky. So whatever, so they're both pinging the same stuff and being pinged by the same stuff. So it's bo- they're similar in that it's both mm-hmm. running into a bit of a brick wall. Um, and... After the 18th, when Venus gets past Saturn and is starting to separate, then it'll be a little bit easier to be like, to to have some relief and have, it'll be easier to have fun, basically. Yeah. Yeah. The pleasure things will be easier. Mm-hmm. Right. Venus
3: conjunct Saturn, it's easy to feel a lot of dictatorial energy around pleasure. Yeah. 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 Or guilt over pleasure. Guilt, yeah.
0: Mm. Guilt, shame. Yeah. You know, feeling like you're not supposed to.
2: Hmm.
0: You know. Yeah. But yeah, and that gets easier after the 18th. Yeah. Also, around that time, we've got Mercury conjunct Neptune, which uh, happens on either the 18th or the 19th, depending on your time zone. Uh-huh. Here in New York, and I think in Milwaukee too, it happens on the the Mercury conjunct Neptune is on the 19th, but on like california or whatever it's on the 18th right you'll feel it both days mercury in hard aspect to neptune whatever hard aspect it's like a little small period of a mercury retrograde
1: yeah brief you know
0: brief brief for a couple of days and mercury will be going retrograde uh through pisces and passing over neptune again in march well, so it's kind
1: gonna, of a double whammy because of Pisces. You know, exactly.
0: you've got the Pisces energy and then Neptune yeah. as well. Mars' Mercury retrograde is going to be challenging in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Um, so I don't think it's going to be destructive. I think it's just going to be a lot of, because Jupiter's so connected to it, But and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but it's relevant. Um, it's it's going to be like a benign trickster with mishaps rather than misfortunes. Right. A little bit of a preview around that on the 18th, 19th.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mishaps, miscommunications.
1: Shakespearean um, mishaps. <laughs>
0: don't buy a new laptop then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there's just lots of little things going along. Dropping your phone.
2: Yeah, dropping your <laughs> phone.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, 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 write a, I write daily after weather things on twitter and instagram and and one of them a few days ago was don't drop your phone and that happened to nate
3: it happened to me <laughs> when i read the astro weather afterwards <laughs> Damn it. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: yeah sorry sometimes i don't get them out until like noon <laughs> it's
3: okay it's okay <laughs> yeah
0: but that's just a little of that going on with all this cluster on the 18th 19th and the full moon in virgo yeah let's bring that Ooh, up. on the 19th on the 19th so it'll be most visible during the evening of the 18th so between like uh around the end of the year and the start of the year um you have a bunch of the new moons and full moons are all at about the same degree mm-hmm. in a row um, so what we've been dealing with the past few months has been these full moons at right at zero degrees of the sign.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: So you've got uh, the sun at zero degrees of Pisces on the 19th and the moon at zero Virgo. Mm-hmm. It's at 1053 a.m. in New York uh-huh. um, is when it's exact. So looking at this, You've got a pretty close trine between the this, this Sun and the Moon here and uh, Mars-Uranus. And you've also got an exact in between the Sun-Moon and Chiron. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, all of this stuff we've been talking about with Mars-Uranus and Mars and Taurus and all the stuff we've been talking about with Chiron and Aries is just going to get really activated um, around the 18th, 19th as well. Well, wow. right, and Chiron
3: is almost at the midpoint between Sun and Mars, but Mars yeah, is free, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: exactly, yeah. Outleting, <laughs> right? You know, it's in spite of that. Like, I don't think I. I think this is one of the better full. It's one of the better full moons. You know, it's better than like anytime there's an everybody likes to charge their crystals under the full moon never do that during a, a lunar eclipse mm-hmm. like uh-huh. um if you happen to charge your uh crystals during the blood moon in january which is blood moon just means lunar eclipse careful around those crystals they mm-hmm. tend yeah. to pick up i mean so clean them out before this next full moon and this one is not Super wonderful, amazing, but totally doable, totally workable. If you're trying to charge any magical objects under the moon,
1: That's a good call. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's doable. Yeah. excellent. Um, so this is just on top of everything else going on these couple of days. The full moon just adds a lot of juice and energy to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it yes. just—it's it's hard to sleep on a full moon, at least for me. Yeah, about mm-hmm. you guys. Oh, and yeah. The moon That's is very- yeah, I mean I'm I'm a Marsy kind of guy, so I'll probably be probably have an easier time sleeping that time generally. But I don't know. But wait, uh, right, that reminds me. So all of the difficulty sleeping people I've been hearing so many reports of for January. Once we get into like middle of February, especially once we've got Mars and Taurus then there's a lot less fire in the sky, you know? Right. Like after the middle of the month, the second half of the month, it's just like, oh my God, I can finally rest. Right. <laughs>
3: yes. Yes.
0: Although there's so much going on around the 18th, 19th. Just watch the news, especially around those couple of days. There's just going to be so much going on. I mean, there's always so much going on, but bigger deals around those couple of days.
3: Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still, I'm, I'm like looking at this chart as we're talking, and still just wrapping, <laughs> wrapping my brain around it because there's so much, you know, everything you just said, and also it's like there's these kind of mixed, definite mixed messages happening, mixed um, qualities. There's the, there's this kind of like the Mercury Neptune thing we were talking about earlier is, is still sort of active there's the dreamy sort of slightly confused slightly foggy sense but then there's also this trine with mars so there's this kind of activation happening there's a strong
0: activation but the activity is is slow
3: yeah right yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) slow and steady
3: yeah strong activation strong emotion as is typical for full moons yes absolutely Mm
1: -hmm. like pushing a boulder yeah, like you, you give her the most in the beginning, but it's still a slow act, you pushing know.
3: Like a slippery boulder.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one, ma- one must imagine Sisyphus naked.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Like having
3: water in his shoes or something. Oh, yeah.
1: pushing yeah. it through molasses, being covered yeah. in molasses. I don't <laughs> think
0: Taurus is that slow.
1: <laughs>
0: no. Taurus isn't you know. Taurus is slow in a mostly a positive way.
1: Yeah. I just like the imagery of bathing in molasses.
0: <laughs> okay, the yeah. imagery of bathing Yes, one, <laughs> one must. Let a, you know. Let us Taurians have our imagery. Right? Yeah, well, come on, yeah. I just don't want you Taurians to be too hard on yourselves either. <laughs> no. but enjoy your molasses bath. soft
3: hey, well, and sticky on ourselves. You know?
0: <laughs> It's, 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 it's whatever floats your rubber duck, <laughs> yeah. Oh God. All right, and finally, <laughs> oh man, finally on the 22nd, we've got Venus conjunct Pluto. Oof-da. Yeah, so that's a fun one. So, Venus. So when you've got Venus conjunct Pluto, you've got a lot of the the sexuality turned into dark fantasy or BDSM or sort yeah, of we or talking. obsessive. Um, people get, Venus Pluto can get very 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 attached because Venus is Venus wants what it wants. Venus in some ways rules the desire principle.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So obsessive desire you often find around Venus Pluto aspects.
1: In natally or transit or both, I'm assuming. Yeah.
0: Natally. So, like, that's you're just going to be up. Like, Vina, like on the 22nd, you just might find yourself looking up your ex's Facebook at 2 a.m. and not know why. Mm-hmm. Like what's come over you? Yeah. yeah.
3: Um,
1: and
0: if the someone
1: uh-huh.
2: the
0: grief around that exactly because yeah all of the difficult emotions and pain of relationships as well is really emphasized there.
1: So if someone, for example, had Venus conjunct Pluto in their own chart and, and then this conjunction happened,
0: well, what you know, for got, for
1: listeners who might not know as much, like what would it do to them?
0: For well, what you've got, anytime a transiting aspect is similar to an aspect in your natal chart, you've got, what, you've got what's called natal excitation, mm-hmm. where that part of your life or your personality just gets pinged, just gets activated.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So with Venus Pluto with that obsessive desire, um, it, when you've got that natally, you're you're often prone to either you it, you're not necessarily prone to obsessive obsessively desiring others. A lot of the time, what that looks like is others are just obsessed with you, and you don't know why. Okay, but that That's pattern gets activated. You yes. know, like you might not be the one looking up your ex's Facebook at two a.m., but you <sighs> might find that your ex has liked your Instagram, has been looking at your Instagram story. Right. Or that you get really insecurely attached with the relationship you're in. You uh-huh. know?
2: Yeah.
0: Or if it's not about relationships at all, if it's just about what you want and your desire and your sense of pleasure, dealing with all of the shame and the pain around that. Because our society does not give people a lot of room to desire freely. You know, no. this is a culture, especially sure. in the United States, that chains people for wanting. Yeah, so, but drives
1: us to want as well, which is a confusing and drives enough. drives us
0: to want as well. Yeah, yeah. we are yeah. yeah.
1: told to want, but then we are punished when we want, <laughs> you know, and like. So,
0: and so much of the, of the, of the growth process for a lot of people is learning how to want. Because mm-hmm. a lot of how we were taught how to want was from commercials. Yeah, and that's not authentic. How to approach desire? Yeah, exactly.
1: Seeing because the full moon chart's still up in the in the screen share. I'm just kind of looking now though, and I see that that conjunction of Venus Pluto will meet the South Node.
0: Oh yeah, Yeah. well Pluto's really close to the South Node. Yeah, so well. Yeah, this
3: that this um this conjunction also is in the third decan of of Capricorn. Yeah, Um, (laughs)
0: and. Uh, I just yeah. looked it up cuz I was pronouncing it decan for the longest time. It's Deccan, isn't it? It's Deccan. Is it Deccan? Oh, Deccan. Yeah. Decan? I, okay. there's, there's there's an astrologer who I love dearly who pronounces it decant. Decant. Yeah. And I I I I love her dearly, so I won't name who she is. Okay. Well, it's
1: well, I studied
0: decant, de-cant. <laughs> uh, for uh, the Deccan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Deccan.
3: If if you look at the um some of the, the fixed stars around there. It, a lot of it has to do with... Um,
0: Deccan for the listeners. So each yeah. sign is divided up. So each sign is 30 degrees. Yeah. Because 12 signs, 360 degrees in a circle, basic geometry. Uh, if you remember that from school, I don't blame you if you don't. Um, <laughs> but each sign is 30 degrees and those 30 degrees are divided into three sets of 10 degrees, which are called the decans, D-E-C-A-N. Yeah, and so you were saying about Venus Pluto on the you. third decan,
3: right? That that this that this decan happens to be um, this decan of Capricorn. The Korean decan. The yeah, the what?
1: The, well, I mean, how I always. Oh well, no, it would be the Virgoian decan.
3: Yeah, but it, the the um, I've I've looked up some of the fixed star symbolism around around this one, and and the fixed stars. I I don't recall. Which ones are what they're called, but um but they have to do with actually journeys to the underworld. and uh, one wow. of them cites Orpheus as an example, so Orpheus going down to recover Eurydice, his lover uh-huh. and uh, and being told not to look back and so. Whole, that that whole that whole myth of it's interesting. You said uh, use the example of looking at your ex's uh, Facebook <laughs> profile <laughs> um, because there's this sense of a kind of grief-ridden journey with, but also with an artistic component. So it's not absolutely. all absolutely. It's not all gloom and it's not all gloom and doom. It's like there's also
1: it's the beauty and the pain. I mean, if you want to beauty
0: and the pain. Yeah, yeah, it's a great aspect. Venus yeah. conjunct Pluto is a great transit for making like art that touches into a, a deep, authentic, emotional place.
3: Yes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yes.
3: So in this decan, you know, even more, we, the, that we could say that's even more heightened in this case.
1: Yeah. And because of the south node conjunction, I would say it's an excellent time to look back, evaluate, and re- release. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, shedding a lot of those out. patterns around, mm-hmm. you know, shame around desire. Yeah, and, but also like desire that gets twisted and, and brought to an unnecessary extreme. Mm-hmm. Right. One thing I will say, so generally I would say this this aspect would be most active because it's because it's Venus involved for people with major planets in Taurus and Libra. Mm-hmm. Um. Now that I'm looking at the chart, the full <laughs> chart, the uh, so the Moon is exactly square to that aspect to that Venus Pluto conjunction. Because the conjunction's right there at 22 uh, Capricorn, Mm -hmm. and then you've got the moon at 22 Libra. And Mercury is also pretty closely sextiling at at 21 Pisces. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of focus and emphasis Mm -hmm. that gets placed on that conjunction, right, as it occurs in the evening of February 22nd. So mm-hmm. it's going to be biggest in terms of themes for people with natal, natal Venus, Pluto aspects with major planets and uh, sun moon rising in particular in Taurus and Libra, mm-hmm. but there's, it's just going to be a lot more collective in terms of how many people are feeling it because it's getting the ping from the moon in Libra and the ping from Mercury and Pisces. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Yeah
1: quite an active month we got going
3: on oh, yeah. <laughs> quite an active month yeah. yeah
0: this is this is an interesting year we live uh-huh. in interesting times <laughs> but i think that'll just about do it yeah so, uh, all right um where can we find where can folks find us if they want to follow our social media and learn more about us or
1: oh yeah absolutely um well, I have a personal Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm not very Twitter active. It's more of Arthur's wheelhouse than mine. Yeah. Um, I also have, my personal business is Skyroots Roots Astrology. Um, so I have a website and an Instagram for that.
0: Skyrootsastrology.com. Um, yes. And on Instagram.
1: And on Instagram. Um, okay. I'm more active personally than I am ast- astrologically just as a chatterbox. But I post on my mm-hmm. personal Facebook um, a lot about astrology as well. So okay. find me in, in either place. I'm gonna to try to be more Twitter active, but I can't I can't make any promises on that. I'm not very good at Twitter. I don't yeah. know why.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. What about you?
3: I'm not on Twitter, but I've got uh, an astrology Instagram handle, Mythopoetic Astrology, and I've got my personal Facebook page and also Mythopoetic Astrology on Facebook. All right, yeah. and your website? Website is under construction. So that's not going to be the best place to reach me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So I am on Twitter at Lip and Bone. I am on Instagram at Readings by Arthur. You can find me online. My website is arthurlippbonowitz.com The spelling will be in the show description. It's arthurlippbonewit com. I will also, as this episode goes live, be setting up official accounts for Birdseye Astrology. So you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Birdseye Astro and com, And we're on Patreon at Birdseye Astrology. Very simple, same name everywhere. But <laughs> Twitter limits the number of characters in your handle. So that's just Birdseye Astro.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah
0: yeah such as life and most of the birds i asked were tweeting will be me (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) absolutely yes
0: (laughs) all right all right well i think that just about it. all right
1: right. excellent well thank you all for listening it was wonderful having you i mean it was wonderful having you know arthur and nate and, and talking all today but we we love sharing with you and we hope you continue listening in the future because we have we have a lot to say and a lot of knowledge to share
0: yeah and if you enjoyed this show uh Leave us some feedback, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from, and uh, you can support us on Patreon.
1: All right, well, until next time.
0: Until next until time. Next time.